0: Welcome to the Oakland Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Associate Pastor Jeremy Barkley. It's our prayer that this message encourages you and strengthens you. For more information and for other resources, visit us at oaklandonline.org. God is good all the time and all the time. Is good. What wonderful worship this morning, amen? amen. We're so spoiled. We're using this new advice here. Before we uh, get into the sermon, this is our third installment of Jonah Today we're gonna to be looking at second chance calling. Aren't you glad that he calls us again? Amen. amen. Sometimes we're a little slow in hearing. I don't know about you, but I'm a little stubborn, a little prideful, a little lazy, um, have too many questions at times, and I'm thankful that he's faithful to call again. I'm thankful that the gifts of the Spirit and the calling that on our lives are without repentance. I mean he does not void them. That's why whenever he calls us, we are gonna be miserable until we are walking in that calling, amen because there's an assignment and there's an oil assigned to my life for that assignment on the earth. And until I'm walking in the fulfillment of that, then my purpose is out of order. Tonight, we wanna invite you out for Seek First um, at six o'clock here in this sanctuary. I'm super excited about that. I don't know what God's gonna do, but I know he's gonna do something. I believe that we are in a season where we are preparing for impact. And uh, I just want to just declare that a storm is coming, but we need the rain. Amen. Sometimes we pray the storms away, but we need the byproduct of the season. And uh, we know what's lying ahead for us in 2024. This is going to be a politically charged season. But God. There's a generation that is crying out for the more of God. Amen. There's a region that is crying out for the more of God. That's watched online as Pastor Randy was away this week receiving training. And I was like, I want to be there. I want to be there because I know he's getting poured into. And I'm excited about what God's doing in this house and our, in our denomination. Amen? Amen. And so what that has to do is see first, I have no idea, but you're invited. And I know that it's going to be good. And I know that God's going to be here. And Jesus is going to walk into the room. I have to confess, maybe that's just my Nazarene holy roots where you kind of feel guilty. Last night I got home and been teaching a lot of classes and we had school of the spirit and a lot of conversation, a lot of counseling this week. And I looked at Heather and I said, I don't want to preach tomorrow. I don't want to preach tomorrow. We have three services and preaching all three of them. And I woke up this morning and I said, Lord, I repent. I want to preach this morning. I want to. I'm willing, Lord. You're going to have to lead me in and lead me out, but I'm willing. Amen? Amen. Maybe that's that's a word for some of you this morning. I'm willing, Lord. I don't want to go. Right? right. I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to minister to them, but I'm willing. I'll go because you called me. Open up your Bibles to... Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. I hear the word of the Lord. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. And he cried out and he said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown And so the people of Nineveh believed God and they proclaimed the facts. They put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. And they covered themselves with sackcloth and they sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by a decree of the king and his noble saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cried out mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. But then God saw their works, that they had turned from the evil way and he relented from the disaster that he had said. That he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. Shall we pray. Father in heaven Lord. We thank you Lord. That you desire to use us. That you recklessly love us. And that you willingly equip us for our call. And Father Lord I don't know every circumstance under the sound of my voice Lord. But we declare today that we are willing to hear and to receive, and to respond. Hide me behind the cross, Lord, I pray for clarity, I pray for grace, and we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Just a little foundational statement that I know that all of us know, but we kinda just kinda lay it in the foundation, sow it into the soil, is that the blessings and the consequences of our obedience and our disobedience, right? there's blessings and consequences of both are both communal and corporate but also individual and personal in their manifestation under the hand of God under the hand of God there are times and seasons when our personal obedience as unto the Lord will launch, ignite, spark a flame that leads to a corporate obedience, right. corporate move of God or a wave of his spirit that not only moves the individual but moves the nation I'm so thankful that we serve a God that not only calls us the first time but he calls us the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth and as many times as we need until we come into agreement with the very thing that he has designed and equipped us for amen Jonah received the word of the Lord a second time. This is the same assignment, but there's a renewed desperation. And his feet are walking in obedience according to his heart and his fear of the Lord. You see, there are times and seasons, and this may be the word for some of us, because culture will have it backwards. They will teach you the upside down version of things, the perverted way of thinking and applying the principles of God. But wisdom says this, that there are times where we will need to be intentional about the actions of love before we experience the emotions of love. Does that make sense? Culture says, right? Some of you've watched movies, love stories, right? Comedy, whatever. Culture will say, act on the emotions and the actions will follow, right? Whatever you're feeling, whatever your flesh says, then service will come, sacrifice will come, uh, oneness will come, unity will come. The Bible says actions create intimacy. And so what do we have here? We have Jonah is on his way to fulfill his assignment. He's smelling like sardines, right? He's cried out from the belly of the well. And I believe, according to what we read in the next chapter, that he he isn't necessarily in Nineveh because he loves them. Right? He's on assignment out of the mercy that he has just received out of his own disobedience. And that is going to bring an impartation of corporate mercy. You see what I'm saying? There's an impart, there there was an individual move of God. If you remember, we did this study called the circle maker and, and the whole premise was start revival in me. And so draw a circle Get in the circle and say, Lord, we want revival. Begin it in me. And then what happens is the flame that you started in me, that you've ignited in me, will then be imparted to my wife and my children and my co-workers and my church family. Amen. It starts small. That's what stewardship is. Jonah is ministering to Nineveh out of his fear of the Lord And out of the mercy that he's just received, not necessarily because he loves them, but because he loves God. And he knows there's no more running. And you know what? Hear this, some of you. Because we talked about feeling it. You don't have to feel it to be obedient. Right? You have to hear it. Sometimes that's good enough for God. And he will get you to the rest. You hear that? Sometimes that's just good enough for God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom. Hear his call. Receive it and move. With all of your questions, with all of your bias, with all of your apprehension, and maybe even your offense and your forgiveness, just move and he will do the rest. He will do the rest, amen? I believe that sometimes we are not necessarily hard of hearing the Lord. We are just slow in receiving it, agreeing with it, and moving on it. And God's grace is good for the second chance as well. We see throughout scripture. So I was trying to think of some instances of throughout the Scriptures where we see God move on, on people for a second chance. And I thought of Rahab. I thought of her, the grace that the Lord had given her. In the midst of her profession, now she's protecting joshua's men as they come in and they're going to take jericho and take the land for the israelites i think of naaman who obeys and receives his healing i think of israel as a nation generations and generations and generations of disobedience and corrupted kings and false idol worship but then the lord continues to call them a second time and a second time and a second time I think of Peter who is full of passion and zeal, and, but void of direction and humility. And the Lord calls him again and, and restores him along the lake, along the Sea of Galilee and makes breakfast for him. And says, says, hey, Peter, I love you. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And says, feed my lambs. Whose lambs are they? They're still his, amen? It's always his. What about you? Has he called you? I know he has. Are you thankful that he called called you again? I remember being four years old sitting at at a Virginia Nazarene youth camp. And the entire week, the Lord was just pricking my heart. Four years old. The gospel is so simple that a four-year-old can receive it, but so profound and deep and wide that theologians for generations have not been able to, to narrow it down. And I remember coming to an altar, and a, a young man from the Impact team that was ministering to the youth that week, his name was Matthew, and I remember him praying for me and leading me in a prayer of salvation. And I remember turning around, and I remember seeing my dad standing in there, he was so proud of me. I remember eight years old, I remember eight years old sitting in a small church, and it's still there in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia, right outside of Marion, and before you get to Bristol, Tennessee. And I remember my papa, who was a prophet, and didn't know it. And I remember him preaching a message that just cut me so deep, and I didn't even know what to do with it. My parents had just been divorced. And I remember losing it. And this week as I was thinking about second chance callings, I remember the Lord just speaking to me saying, Jeremy, I'm calling you to this. And I remember my papa just standing at the altar saying, Someone here's called the ministry. Eight years old. I didn't even know how to respond. I went home and I cried like this, and my mother didn't know how to how to comfort me. 12 years old at a Nazarene youth camp that I was participating in, I finally stood on a stage and said, Lord, I'm willing. I don't know what it looks like. 18 years old, I was sitting in in, uh, Winslow, Arizona. Yes, that's a place, not just a song. (laughs) After one of the hardest years of my life, the Lord reminded me again, Jeremy, this is what I've called you to. But it wasn't until... 2007. Heather and I were serving at Emmanuel, and we went on a. I went. I felt called to go on a trip to Acate, Mexico, and we didn't have the money. We just certainly didn't have the money, and it's sent out like 20 letters, and the Lord paid the bill in full. We even paid for my my passport. And I remember going and. Building. If you know me, I don't build anything. I eat and talk. That's what I do, right? I heard preachers need to be ready to eat, preach, and die at any moment. I got that down, all right? But I remember going, and we were building houses, which were literally as big as the shed that you probably put your mower in here in America. And every morning, we would drive a school bus up on the top of this hill in Cate, Mexico, and it was dusty and it was dirty and it smelled bad and they were going to the bathroom in holes and they told us not to eat the food because the water was corrupt they would literally like they had tarp for roofs and they would they would bend the tarp so that when it rained it would catch the rain in a bucket and that's what they would cook with and i remember going day after day and i remember the men standing there watching us build their house and then we would come back and it would be corrected they didn't need us to do the work for them. They needed the supplies. They didn't have the resources. But we wanted to do the work for us. so They would go and correct it. But there was this one face. And I remember this was before we had cell phones that had cameras on them. And they just started with a digital camera. And we had gotten on the bus and we were taking them with us back to our camp. Back to Mission Discovery. And we were going to take the kids back and they were going to have a meal with us and worship with us. And then we were going to take him home and this one little face, his name was Omar and this is Omar right here. And that's Omar in 2007 and I took that picture with that digital camera as he sat right next to me and look at that. And for me, that represented an inverted calling where the Lord was saying, Jeremy, this is the corporate calling, now go home Go home and get your house in order so that you can go and do this. And I have that picture sitting right in front of me in my desk. And we can look back and Heather will tell you, in 2007, that was when the Lord called me again the second time. And he told me to love my wife and to love my kids and as much as I felt for him, I had two boys at the time that loved me. And I was assigned to them. And that's when our lives turned for Jesus. We had always believed. We had always believed. But it took me seeing that face in Tecate, Mexico in 2007, when the Lord said, Jeremy, there's more. What I put in you is greater. Now go... And let me shape it. Amen? I'm so thankful that He calls us again. It was almost like the Lord was saying, Listen to what I'm saying, I can do it in you. Jeremy, even now I can do it in you, even when it looks bleak, even when you don't have the money, even when you're going to have to go back to school, even, even, even if if you don't have the training to be in ministry, I'll open up the back door at this Methodist church right down the road. It makes no sense for us to be here. And I want to tell you, it's not going to make any sense. For God to get you from point A to point B. But even now, God can do it. If you will just submit yourself under his hand and his provision. And just say, yes Lord, send me unwilling. Amen? Amen. Joel chapter 2 verses 12 through 16. This really has nothing to do with the message. Other than, I really believe this is a passage for us to lean into in this season. Not only individually, but as a nation. It says, even Now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. That means separate. Cut your heart, not your garments. In in the Old Testament, they would rip their garments and and they would put ashes on themselves. And, And the Lord says, that's good that you can do that corporately and have a visual sign of repentance. But he says, I want your heart. If you don't do it in the heart, it's never going to last. It's never going to to outlive you. And he says, rend your heart and not your garments." Return to the Lord your God. Why? Hear this. Someone needs to hear this this morning. For he is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing. Who knows? If you've had an abortion this morning, who knows? He may relent and, and turn and give you a blessing if you would just repent to him and grace covers a multitude. Amen? He's a loving father. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast, a sacred assembly, gather the people. Consecrate yourselves. Consecrate the assembly and bring together the elders and the children. That means everyone. Everyone's welcome. This is an intergenerational thing. Amen? This isn't just for those who figured it out. Right? Bring them all. We're a family. We need one another. And let the bridegroom leave his room. And the bride her chamber. Number one. How do we respond? I have two points, but as you can see, that doesn't mean a thing. right. Number one. Faith requires an appropriate response. One honoring. Amen? Verse 5 says, So the people of Nineveh believed God. And they proclaimed the fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Don't you love that repentance is contagious? No matter your position or your standing or your economical status, it doesn't matter. All of us are nothing without him. The Lord knew, that, knew what he had placed in Jonah. And he knew he was the man for the job to turn Nineveh to the Lord. He was his chosen instrument. And here's the thing, and this is going to be the same for you, because you are the chosen instrument for your assignment. And here's the thing about your assignment. Your assignment isn't just for them, it's for you. Because not only does he use you, he shapes you. Yeah. The people responded to the word of the Lord. How did they respond? They, how they knew according to their customs. They put on sackcloth and burlap. They set in ashes and they declared a fast. And we think about sackcloth, it's just a bag like garment made of coarse cloth, which is actually made of goat hair. It was a word to express mourning and repentance. They would actually, after they were done, they would use those cloths as bags to help carry their groceries and carry their produce. Ashes is often used in scripture to signify worthlessness and its insignificance. It was also a sign to everybody of where we had come from, right, in Genesis, from ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Fasting, hopefully we're pretty familiar with fasting. Maybe we need to become more familiar with fasting. I don't know. It's the denial of food or a comfort and desire to receive more of God's presence. See, here's the thing about fasting is fasting is a counteraction of the sin of the fall. In the fall, we ate what was forbidden. But when we fast, we forego what is permitted. Amen. Feeding our spirit, denying our flesh and removing the distractions around us, reprioritizing our time, our minds and our hearts. I wonder if we need to call a corporate fast. Or I wonder if we need to call a personal fast. If you need the church to declare a fast, pray that you don't need the church to declare a fast. Pray that the Lord declares a fast in you. We don't need the ministry to drive everything, do we? We don't need the king to to declare everything. It's great when he does. I can't wait for the day whenever we get a special news report that, you know what, the sky has opened and and the president gets on there, whoever he's going to be, and he's going to say, you know what, pray fast. I don't know what's happening, but we need God. Right? But here's the thing, Lord, draw the circle, get in the circle, start revival in me. Remove the distractions, reprioritize my time and my heart and my mind. See, the thing is, the presence and the conviction of God is contagious. Jonah's message spanned three days, 60 miles, in every socioeconomic layer of Nineveh. This is a vast city. I don't understand. I've tried to research that. Many believe it was actually 60 miles wide. It would be like from here to like Blairsville or past Murraysville. I don't get that. But I don't have to get it, right? Why? Because the message was heard so much so that the king was cut to the heart. He repents. He put on. He puts on burlap. He sits in ashes. And he declares the holy fast. I'm a firm believer that there are times and seasons that should be very frequent. Where we are inventory in our hearts for unforgiveness and offenses. And also... Stepping into intentional disciplines of fasting, which are two important avenues by which we directly access not only the presence of God, which would be enough, amen, but also they serve as the keys to the doors of our desired breakthrough. Here's the thing. What, you know what happens when we start to inventory our hearts? And we start to look at our unforgiveness and our, and our offenses and our sin and our agreement with sins and our traumas. And then we say, all right, Lord, I'm not only going to look at it, I'm going to respond, right? What we're actually doing is we're getting low. See, culture says get over. Kingdom says get under. There's a difference. We've got to get under. We've got to get low. It's time to get low, church. And so I don't know what this looks like for you. A couple years ago, we did this fast, and I really feel like the Lord's calling me personally. And I'm not going to tell you when because we're not supposed to. You're not supposed to go around and and, and advertise what you're doing and when you're (laughs) praying and and pray in the marketplace loud with all these, you know, like, vast vocabulary. There is a a hiddenness to this, amen? But also there's an assignment to the public as well. And so I would encourage you, choose a fast, whatever works for you. You can do something. Then number two, commit to a daily prayer time. Don't just like get rid of food, do something with the time. Be intentional on every area of your life, every area of your makeup. Amen. So choose a fast, commit to a daily prayer time, find a reading plan, get into the word of God. All right. And then also remove a comfort. All right? Cable, Starbucks, right? Starbucks maybe? You see, they're closing for three months. That might have been a confirmation for my fast. I don't know, (laughs) right? But social media, what's distracting you, et cetera. Why would you do that? Because faith says so. Some of you need a breakthrough. Some of you need to see the other side. Some of you are heading into the storm and you're gonna lose your bearings. And you know what? Faith, Faith increases right as as there's pressure as there's trusting right and so faith tells us to speak to our mountain in mark 11 verses 22-25 it says have faith in god he answered truly i tell you if anyone says to the mountain look at your neighbor and says says yes. says to the mountain go throw yourself into the sea do not doubt in your heart but believes that what he said will happen it will be done for them Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have already received it, and it will be yours. That's right, that's right. What are you praying for? And when you stand praying, if you hold anything, here's the inventory, right? If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you in your sins. Here's what I want to tell you. Faith says so. Fasting activates faith within me to speak to my mountain and cast them into the sea. Faith says so. Move, mountain. You're in the way of my faith. Amen? Move, pornography. Move, shame. Move, offense. Move, unforgiveness. Move. You're in the way of my faith. We're going through. Why? Why? Because I said so. The seed is the sound, amen? amen. He spoke and there was light. He spoke and the heavens were separated. He spoke. And Adam and Eve. He, he spoke it. And what he did, what did he do? He gave us dominion to speak it. Speak it in faith. Believe that you have it. Speak to the mountain. Speak for your marriage. Speak for your children. Speak for Johnstown. Amen. Speak. Because faith says so. Number two, number two. Our faith moves the heart and the hand of God on His end. See, this is relational. He's already there waiting on us. He's already there, right? He moved first. He loved first. He's always first. Alpha, Omega, first. He's there, all right? Then we respond to Him and then He moves again. It says in verse 10 then God saw their works and and they had turned from their evil ways and God relented from the disaster and what he said he would bring upon them and he did not do it. If I remind you from Jer- Joel chapter two, we just read this. Rend your heart, tear split your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God for he is what? Gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and he relents from sending calamity. I found this quote and I believe I put it in your notes. God's judgment is not indiscriminate. It is based upon the actions of, Of people, and hear this, hear this. Some of you believe he will not forgive you. He promises to forgive you. And he will make good on his promise. He's not a man that he should lie. God's judgment is not indiscriminate, it is based on the actions of people. God responds to repentance, and God's grace is what? Universally available. What does indiscriminate mean? Indiscriminate means done at random or without careful judgment. Hear this, church. God's hand is not short. His ways are good, and his time is perfect. That's who he is. And I don't know about you, but when I read about Nineveh, I think of America. The narrative of Nineveh should give our hearts hope for America. If you've been reading along with us in our reading program You've been reading through the minor prophets, so you're probably getting a little discouraged, right? We need grace. We need a savior. Thank the Lord we're on this side of it, amen? We're a new covenant generation. And we rarely get it the first time, don't we? The Lord desires to apply his hand. On our behalf, not his gavel. I wonder how many of us have an image of God as this old grumpy man that's holding a gavel, just waiting, right, to release a judgment. But he's really this compassionate, loving father that's just waiting to apply his hand of provision. And love Over your future and your past 2nd Chronicles Chapter 7 verse 14 We read this every national day of prayer We should be praying it every single day of our lives That my people who are called There's that calling word again By my name will humble themselves and pray And seek my face and turn From their wicked ways I will hear from heaven And I will forgive their sins and heal their land One more time, Lord. There's a prophet named Jim LaFoon from Nashville. He was waking up in the middle of the night with a dream and a vision from God for America. And it was this image of Jesus, kind of from the top now. He couldn't see his face, but he could see his robe and he could see his sandals, and he was walking across the terrain of America walking across our nation and the soil was so dry and beaten and worn and cracked. Have you ever been there? I remember growing up in Virginia beach where it would get really hot in the summers and there were areas where it was like clay and sand and, and you would walk across and you would see the cracks in the soil. And this is what he saw. He saw Jesus walking across our nation Here's what Jesus was crying out to the Father. One more time, Lord. One more time, Lord. Lord, pour out your spirit. One more time. Here in America, Lord. Do it here, Lord. They're ready, Lord. They're rending their hearts, Lord. They're repenting, Lord. They want it, Lord. They need it, Lord. One more time, Lord. Pour out your spirit upon your church. Those churches who operate and they walk in spirit and in truth. One more time, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Relent. Away. Be patient. Be patient, Lord. Lord, there's people that want to turn to you, Lord. But they need to see Mark 16 in front of them. They need to hear the gospel. But they need to see demonstrations of your power Amen, Lord, do it, Lord. Here, one more time. One more time in America, Lord. One more time. I heard someone say this. They said, Israel is the nation that the Lord chose. But America is the nation that chose the Lord. That is who we are. Don't let the media and don't let the college theologians change the truth that our forefathers feared the Lord. That's right. They weren't perfect. That's right. That's right. Why not here? Why not now? Why not one more time before he comes? We're getting close. The tension and the birth pains are getting more and more. The the, the contractions are becoming closer together. As heaven invades earth, the veil is becoming thin. Lord, do it here one more time. Amen? But here. Do it here one more time. Call me again. Call me again. Listen, we may not be the biggest church. But we have a huge influence in this region. Why can't we lead the way? It's going to get uncomfortable. It's going to get inconvenient. You might miss a couple TV shows. Just one more time. Just get one. That's all he needs. Let's get our houses in order. Let's get our houses in order. Let's align ourselves under his presence. And just let him do the rest. Plant the seed. Others water it. Who's in charge of the increase? Not me. Right? Right? So as our worship team comes... Let just stand together. <clears throat> I have so many things flooding my heart right now. I can't wait to sit and talk with Randy this week. Do you feel the weight of it? The weight of the moment? Sometimes we can... And ministry should be fine. It's fine. I mean, I cannot believe we get to do this. But do you feel the weight of the moment? That's how I feel. I feel the weight of the moment. I just want to be found faithful. Do you want to be found faithful? We're to be found obedient. We're not playing games. The enemy comes to kill, still, and destroy. The Lord's going to call us to go to our Nineveh. And even if you don't want to go, go in the fear of the Lord. And he'll work on the rest. But I wonder what it would look like if we just sought him this morning at the altar. Maybe make your pew an altar and not just move on from here. Father in heaven, I pray, Lord, that you would give us the grace to rend our hearts. We want you. We desire you more than anything. More than the promotion. More than the next paycheck. feel the weight of the moment, the weight of the calling of this house. And Lord, we need every every heart and every hand on board. So Lord, do whatever you need to do. Get us from here to there. We love you. And all God's people say, Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Oakland Church. For more information and for other resources, visit us at oaklandonline.org.